Welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from Loop, and each week I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. This week, I'm speaking with Gary Wise, who, after 20 years of practicing and leading L&D functions, realized that because the workforce succeeds and or fails at the point of work, this is where L&D needs to focus. But before we get started, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do give us a rating on your podcast app of choice so that others can find us. Thank you. Now let's get into it. Gary, welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. Thank you, David. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, contribute. Now, we've been in touch via LinkedIn for a number of years now, and I'd say we're kindred spirits with our beliefs and the practices we advocate, although we use different terminology. So to kick us off, what do you mean by point of work and how does it compare and contrast, say, with um, Bob Mosher and Conrad Gofferson when they're talking about workflow learning or Josh Bursin when he's talking about learning in the flow of work? Uh, great question to start this, this start this off. I appreciate that. Uh, I've been following Bob and Con for probably a dozen years, 10 to 12 years. And this whole concept of workflow learning and learning in the workflow has recently gained some traction and there's a subtle difference between the two, uh, uh, although they're proximal in terms of this, this whole concept of, of the workflow. Uh, workflow learning, and this I, I got from a podcast that I just listened to with Bob Moser, uh, where he was being interviewed in the Netherlands about the difference between the two. Uh, and workflow learning specifically is learning in the workflow where the worker does not have to disengage with the work in order to resolve a moment of need. Uh, it's in the workflow. It's in the application. There's no downtime. It happens uh, simultaneously and contextually with the flow of work. The concept of learning in the workflow, on the other hand, is one where learning is accessible but you have to disengage from the actual work to go find it. Mm -hmm. uh, is it in SharePoint? Is it in a knowledge base? You know, where is it? So there's uh, off-task time required in order to do learning in the workflow. And that's where we see people considering that they're doing workflow learning because they have micro learning objects and assets available uh, mm -hmm. that are aligned with the work. Uh, but it's, it's an off-task uh, deviation of productive time in order to resolve the moment of need, whereas true workflow learning means those assets are within the actual workflow and or the application itself, which is a technology solution as opposed to just having uh, peripheral hardware used as a repository for, for learning objects. Mm -hmm. And so to be really clear, and in contrast to mixed messages in the market, it's not simply rebranding established L&D practice. For example, bite-sized content made available on mobile devices or integrated with Slack or Teams, is it? It is, it is something different. Yeah, absolutely, the, uh, and that's kind of the last half of your, your first question was mm. uh, point of work as a comparison or, or a contrast. Point of work is not necessarily a destination, it's a discipline. Mm. Uh, the whole concept is a mind shift, a strategic rethink of how are we going to approach a dynamic learning performance ecosystem. Uh, obviously, workflows and processes are going to be part of that, and that's where 
uh, design frameworks like uh, Bob and Khan's Five Moments of Need, uh, in some respects, 70-2010, and even uh, Allen Interactions, SAM, uh, fit, because they are design tools. The point of work and point of work assessment is a pre-designed discovery methodology. The idea is to define what are those performance attributes within the dynamic learning performance ecosystem that are restraining performance. Mm -hmm. uh, my background is performance consulting. So I always look at everything from a perspective of why is this broken? What's causing mm -hmm. it? And the, the traditional paradigm that learning and development is dealing with now is uh, every performance issue is a training solution. Uh, and we've done an outstanding job of training our operational stakeholders to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't call us learning and development. They call us training because that's what we do. If yeah. there's an operational problem, the first thing out of their mouth is we need to call training. We need a course on this. Uh, maybe it wasn't a course. Maybe it's a bogus organizational design. Maybe it's a misaligned compensation program. There's any number of attributes that have absolutely nothing to do with deficits in knowledge and skills that can cause performance to go south. But if the paradigm exists and the myth that training drives performance exists, then every, every, uh, every hammer is looking for a nail uh, because mm. it's a training solution. And that's what the point of work assessment is designed to do is to take a look across the learning and performance ecosystem, learning and performance. We do an outstanding job with learning, mm. whether it's workflow learning or learning in the workflow, micro learning, adaptive learning. I mean, name the different flavors of learning that are out there. They're all learning related. My point is we should be looking at performance in the workflow ultimately. Uh, because that is the ultimate outcome that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. And if I, can, if I can facilitate learning in the process of driving measurable outcomes, then the mission is accomplished, and workflow learning is almost the byproduct of being mm -hmm. uh, effective, creating measurable performance outcomes and value uh, at the point of work. Now, what you're describing, um, Gary, is, you know, as, as, I, as I mentioned in the introduction, this... This isn't something new to you, and the organizer and the profession has been talking about performance as uh, as the desired outcome. Um, Bob and and Conrad talk about starting from the moment of apply and, and working backwards. But these conversations have been going on for for quite some time. When did you realize first realize the power of of the point of work as a, as an approach, and uh, and and then as I suppose as a trigger for the the rest of your work. Uh, that's another great question. Uh, and actually, I discovered the success of, of point of work before I had even considered branding it point of work. Mm. Um, I worked for a, um, and if I can share a quick little story, that'll, uh, I think, outline how this happened and uh, the results mm. that led me down this path. Uh, it's sure. about the same time that I met Bob and Khan and the whole concept of five moments of need. Uh, and I still hadn't figured that out yet, but it gave me a framework that I felt was really going to be helpful because it was keying on the performance aspects of the learning performance ecosystem. Uh, I was working as director of sales training for a large medical equipment manufacturing company. 
and I got a call one morning from the senior vice president of sales and marketing. Interesting side note, sales and sales training was owned by sales and marketing, not by HR. Uh, mm. Hold that thought. We can come back to that in a second. The request was, uh, I need you to upgrade our marketing curriculum. And as a performance consultant, my response is, sure, I can help you with that, but why? And his response was, well, we want to be a world-class marketing organization. And my response was, what's keeping you from being world-class? He said, well, there's, there's, there's this curriculum that's in place. It was put in place by my previous vice president of marketing, who's no longer here. And it looks like an MBA graduate program for marketing, uh, which not, not necessarily was a bad thing, but it wasn't hitting mark. And in his mind and in the paradigm that he was using to drive his request was training drives performance. And I said, all right, I can help you with that, but I need to do another assessment because I had just done one for the sales process. And he stopped me right there and he said, no, 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 I don't have time for that. What I'd like you to do is focus on the curriculum. And in his mind, if I fix the curriculum, he's on his way to world-class marketing organization. So I went ninja, pulled on the black pajamas and did a covert point of work <laughs> assessment and talked to directors and group managers and individual contributors across the marketing organization and came back with results that pointed to a number of things uh, most glaring was the smallest part of what was keeping him from being world-class was his marketing curriculum. 42% mm. of what was impacting performance was workflows and processes. We started looking at there were people problems around leadership. There were access problems to content and resources and access via the technology that was available to the marketing people. And I developed a pie chart, which is, it's on my uh, website at uh, livinginlearning.com under the point of work assessment uh, tab. And I use this in all the conferences that I go to as well, that shows the six different categories associated with the point of work assessment. And I put that down on his desk and I circled the tiny little percentage that was training related. And I said, here's where your marketing curriculum lives. I can be 100% effective on less than 15% of your problems. Is that going to be acceptable? And he sat back and steepled his fingers that like senior vice presidents do and looked at me and he said, no, I want it all. And that changed the conversation. And that phrase of changing the conversation is one of the key objectives that a point of work assessment is designed to facilitate because in his mind, fixing his curriculum was going to optimize his capabilities as a world-class marketing organization. Mm -hmm. What came out of the assessment was a Six Sigma intervention for the, the biggest chunk of what was restricting performance, which was workflows and processes, process improvement initiative. What came out was a leadership academy, which took four months to build because he had a disconnect between leadership expectations and those of people who were individual contributors. Mm -hmm. And a, a third-party survey on marketing attitudes and values was actually done. And from that, we were able to define what the curriculum should look like. Mm -hmm. So what I learned from that was, wow, you almost stepped in it. 
if I had gone ahead and looked at that marketing curriculum and made some suggestions, I would have been marginally impactful. I would have been a bona fide order taker uh, based upon expectations of a client who was virtually clueless as to what was causing problems in his organization. And this was a senior level uh, individual, very intelligent man. And what really, really drove this home was this whole concept of point of work assessment is top down. It has to start at the top. Because I needed his assumptions. I needed his hypotheses as to what was wrong. And then drill down through the different levels in the organization and repeat that process with directors, with group managers, and individual contributors. Uh, The solution design is bottom up. Mm. And that's where you start delving into turf that is very aptly owned by uh, design methodologies like the five moments of need or maybe 70-20-10. Point of work assessment does not do design. It creates a roadmap of here's where the landmines are. Let's dig a little deeper and identify what has to happen when we would do a, a critical skills analysis that's done in the five moments of need, uh, a workflow analysis uh, that's done in the five moments of need. That's mm-hmm. what this is for. A point of work assessment could be a 30-minute phone call or it could be a three-week initiative uh, talking across an organization and down through the organization to identify what the findings are going to be. Uh, there's so so much great stuff uh, within there. Uh, you know, to to go back, uh, I've I've been um, challenging the uh, what I'd say flawed equation, which is learning equals better performance for far too long. Because what what that doesn't state is that it's almost any learning equals better performance where it's it's so it's flawed in in so many ways and then you're saying that you're um you're 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 changing the conversation but you're broadening the conversation as well so many of the people that i've been speaking with on the podcast whether that be nigel harrison on performance consulting whether that be uh tracy waters um from sky say that they spend so much longer in that discovery phase of of what it is what is the problem that we are truly seeking to address here which is is in contrast to an exploration of the solution that has been suggested by the client um you know it's almost here's my bucket fill it full of stuff rather than what what is it that that operationally or or, or people wise systemically uh, environmental wise might actually be the problem that is preventing your people from from doing what it is that they're they're here to actually do and then i love the landmines thing because i'm with you i think that more powerfully if we're looking um to uh create or curate solutions that address the specific friction that people are experiencing and you've described those as landmines how on earth are we going to do that from a top-down approach which is which isn't a lot of the time even on the planet it's looking down Um, these are requests that have been made by people who aren't close to the work itself broad assumptions and then we're expecting uh, wide-scale adoption of ideas or engagement in content and programs when it doesn't actually uh, reflect the terrain in which we are seeking to address those landmines. Um, I mean, I've like tried to, to summarise uh, and interpret quite a lot of what you've just said there, Gary. Is this? Am I, am I talking along the right lines? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's funny. I was in uh, 
California at a conference several years ago, and uh, I don't know if you you know Allison Rossett or not. Uh, no, she's no, with San, San Diego State University at the time. Uh, I always would sit in on her sessions when I'd go to these conferences if she wasn't opposite one of mine. And she said the, the, the neatest thing where we were trying to look at this concept of performance support at the time and how you can integrate a performance support solution when the stakeholder is expecting training. Mm. Uh, she said, lie. Tell them, <laughs> tell them it's the new way we do training and just do it. And that's the truth. I mean, some of the, the, the worst things we as learning and development can do is to start throwing jargon at our stakeholders. Yeah. Uh, nobody needs to hear learning and performance ecosystems. Nobody needs to hear workflow learning or mm. learning in the workflow or even performance support. It's like we're creating solutions that are going to optimize performance at the moment of need in your workflows at your mm. point of work. Uh, keep it in language that is going to resonate with the operational stakeholder, not our comfort zone as learning development professionals, because we are the most jargonistic crew that I've ever run across. Mm. And it's, it's so important to keep the jargon out of it and just focus on what's causing the performance to be uh, substandard in your area. They know, or they think they know, and you won't know for sure until you do the assessment and you go down to the person whose hand is on the shovel and pass with digging the hole mm. until you get to the individual contributor to get a sense of here's what's wrong. Then you can start working at solutions to either validate or invalidate the assumption and hypotheses of the people upstream that told you what they thought was wrong. Mm. And it's like the senior VP of marketing fix my curriculum and things are going to be lovely. It wasn't his curriculum. It was only a small piece. Training is always going to be a component of the solution one way or another. It might mm. be micro. It might be a five-minute uh, learning object, or it might be something that is not learning at all. We're, we're dealing with a continuum, a learning continuum. And that was another piece that came out of this point of work piece, because you've got people coming into the organization, brand spanking new, or running across opportunities to learn something new for the first time, and it falls right in line with the five moments of need. Uh, the whole concept is, I call that point of entry. Hmm. Uh, often that gets uh, knee-jerked into, that's onboarding, it's new hire training. In some cases it is, but there could be a 10-year employee who's gone into a new role and that's their point of entry or yeah. it's a new product launch or a new FDA regulation or a new compliance requirement uh, all of which are first time opportunities to learn and that's the first two moments of need new and more yeah. the whole concept is that's point of entry the other end of that continuum is point of work that's where the outcome is outcomes that are uh, measurable and tangible at level three and level four. I've got level one and level two at point of entry, but point of work is where I get things where I can measure. And that's what businesses are asking for. That's what leadership is asking for. Prove to me your learning is, is bringing results. What's your mm -hmm. ROI? You can't cook the books well enough for ROI when you only have level one and level two evaluation data. You've got to get to the point of work. 
And that's one of the outcomes from a point of work assessment is identifying what those KPIs are and identifying what things are actually uh, restricting them and establishing a benchmark in the very beginning. So you've got some uh, point of reference to measure when you start delivering your solutions. I'd like to carry on this conversation, uh, uh, Gary, about the the point of work assessment. I think this is helpful. You framed it in that there is the the point of entry uh, and the um, kind of the benchmark of, of of what's going on now, so that you understand what it is that uh, that that you want to improve, and therefore um, whether what you're what you've designed ultimately or provided ultimately uh, is going to work. But could you? Talk us through the the, the cradle to grave um, point of work assessment. Uh, sure, the point of work assessment uh, is a top down assessment. Uh, it's a bottom up solution roadmap. Mm. So when you you look at it initially, like happened at the uh, the medical equipment manufacturer where I did that uh, that first assessment before it was actually branded point of work assessment. Uh, it was top down. It started with the senior vice president of sales and marketing. And what you accomplish at that level uh, are hypotheses. Uh, they may be spot on. They may be just based upon myth and legend. Uh, but the point is, you have to start there. And mm. you start drilling down through the organization uh, at different levels, uh, discrete conversations from one another. Uh, I would not want the senior vice president of sales and marketing in the same room with his directors and group managers. Uh, I learned that very quickly in a uh, call center uh, assessment, assessment that was done back in my days working with Xerox, where we had top gun agent positions around the table and the operations manager and center manager with the head of the table. And we ask a question, a critical question of, do you feel that you were properly equipped to perform when you graduated from new hire training? And every head in the room went to the head of the table to look at the operations manager and the center manager, and they shook their heads, yes. Uh, they did not feel that way, but that was the answer that they were forced to give because of who was in the room. There was a so, landmine there, wasn't there, of a different kind? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they didn't want to tread on that. <laughs> but that's one of the, the key learnings of doing a point-of-work assessment is as you do the drill down through the organization, you mm. should have discrete conversations within role and peer groups to where yeah. they are isolated from one another because that's where you're going to get different points of view on respective points of work. Because yeah. as you go down through from a senior leadership position to an individual contributor, you have multiple points of work and you have multiple perspectives that are influencing those points of work mm -hmm. uh, and influencing some of the attributes associated with a point of work assessment. So that's the, the top-down approach. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll ask the very same questions and you'll get different answers because of perspective and location within the pecking order and expectations of role and, and task level expectations as you go down through the organization. Mm -hmm. So yes, I am interested in task level work, but I'm not going to the depth that you would go if you were using uh, Moser and Gofferson's five moments of need assessment. 
This is yeah. not a five moments of need assessment. This is more of a best practice assessment of what mm -hmm. our best practices across six items, six spectrums across the organization uh, that are associated with point of work that impact performance. So it's a, it's a series of open-ended questions that promote, I think I have a diagram here of, of what the uh, capabilities are. Mm -hmm. The first one uh, that I think is most important is around uh, environment and capability. Uh, that's critical because the environment and the capability are associated with those things that really have nothing to do with actual point of work execution of task, but it's what are the internal factors that are impacting work assignments? Uh, is it culture related? Is it organizational structure? Is it policies, compensation, diversity? You're looking at a lot of things there that aren't necessarily training solutions, but they mm -hmm. definitely impact performance. Those are all internal. Externally, you've got some things like regulations, compliance, those kinds of things that uh, have a, a competition has impact. Those are questions that need to be asked to delineate what are those influences of your environment that you're in and the capabilities that you're dealing with across the organization. Then you deal with things like people and capability. Uh, people, obviously is the individual contributor, uh, the primary task uh, position that you're dealing with, but even more than that is, is deeper. Who supports the individual who's associated with actually executing the task? Mm. Uh, and you start looking at the hierarchy of support. Who supports that individual from a help desk perspective? Uh, who is going to be a recipient of the output? Is it effective in their role? Is there a role associated north of the individual who's actually performing that's causing the log jam? So you're looking at a, uh, an interactive environment of the people and the capabilities that they support around the task that is associated with the problem. The five moments of need is specifically looking at task and the critical nature of those tasks and, and what needs to be done to overcome those. I'm looking at a more holistic environment in which that exists. So in reality, I would do a point of work assessment before I would do the, uh, the five moments of need assessment mm -hmm. because it, it targets. It actually would be a targeting tool for optimizing the five moments of need. And that's, that's what I do. I'm a performance consultant. I want to know yeah. everything that's impacting outcomes, including those things at the point of work, which could be performance support related or training related in that, that continuum of, of learning and performance at the point of work. Because you've got, you've got so many things that have nothing to do with training that can impact performance. Yeah. And it's like the, the v, senior VP at uh, the medical equipment manufacturer. His marketing curriculum was keeping him from being world-class. No, mm. it was broken workflow processes. It was broken leadership perspective. Uh, those are the kinds of things that come out of a point of work assessment that identify what you need to drill down to and you disseminate those things that are specific to learning and performance to a learning and performance design methodology like five moments of need uh, and let them do what they do very well. 
uh, and focus on the OD folks uh, within HR to look at the organizational development aspects of it. So it's, what's the best word to use? It's a front end assessment of performance, mm -hmm. not necessarily just learning, but it's learning and performance at the point of work. That was a really long answer to a, to a fairly short but broad question. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think it's hugely valuable, uh, Gary, to lay the cards on the table to describe what this is because so many, as, as we mentioned at the outset, that so many conversations are so narrow and begin with, a, with an assumed solution um, rather than the, the broad contextual um, elements that you're, that you're describing here. But Gary, what you're describing sounds hard. It sounds time consuming. As you mentioned earlier, stakeholders will want um, solutions pretty quick. Uh, and also, if our stock in trade is uh, classroom training and e-learning, that's what we're skilled in. That's what we're comfortable and confident in selling and delivering. Is, it, is this not too hard to, to really get um, stuck into? And also, uh, as, if, as if that wasn't a big enough question, Gary, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to unlock something here and create an expectation that I'm not sure that I can, I can deliver on. Are these common um, critiques of, uh, of point of work or have, have you overcome these before? Uh, it is common, uh, primarily because I think it's possibly misunderstood. Uh, I think what Bob Moser and Conrad are, are doing with uh, the five moments of need uh, provide a, a fairly uh, accessible framework as to how you are going to impact uh, both learning and performance. Uh, the and performance piece is what is not necessarily covered with the correct skill set within L&D mm -hmm. organizations. Not every organization, because there's quite a few that have figured it out. Yeah. Uh, but when you start looking at the, the knee-jerk reaction to, all right, what training do we need to develop to, to resolve this problem? Uh, a point-of-work assessment can be a 30-minute phone call, or it can be three weeks worth of digging and doing a diagnostic on the six categories that are associated with a, a point-of-work assessment. And that means there has to be a capability within the individual who's doing the assessment. I see there being an acute need for performance consultants to be part of learning and development. Yeah. We do not have performance consultants for the most part. We have learning consultants, but, you know, in title, is, is that enough? Uh, is the questioning capability there to be able to look at technology and systems and analytics and impact and, uh, and environment and capability and content and resources? Uh, we've, we've got so many things that have nothing to do with training, and we have a, a staff in learning and development that is zeroed in on training and has convinced our stakeholders that training is a solution to every problem. Mm. It's not. And the sooner we can break free from that and methodologies like five moments of need are an outstanding roadmap to do that. But the assessment that needs to take place in front of uh, deploying and implementing a five moments of need assessment are, I think, the roadmap that identifies where that application of, of five moments of need fits and what are those things that are also impacting performance that have nothing to do with training 
or training mm -hmm. solutions uh, or even performance support. So when you start looking at the, the assessment process, it is a significant rethink, a strategic rethink on the part of learning and development in, in how we approach a request for training from a stakeholder. Uh, because that's what I got from that senior VP of, of, uh, of marketing, sales and marketing. I mm. need a training solution to revamp my marketing training. No, you don't. You've got bigger fish to fry, but that was, it was a blind spot because it was not mm. part of the consideration as to what are those things that contribute to performance and outcomes that are measurable within the organization. And if yeah. that gets overlooked, it's very easy to, to knee-jerk and, and descend into what should our training solution look like. And that's sort of the expectations of our operational stakeholders because we've trained them that way. Yeah. If something's not working well, we need to train. Well, it's part of it, but it's not, the, it's not a holistic solution. And that's what this point of work assessment is, associ is associated with, is more of a holistic approach to what's restricting performance. Yeah, I'm completely with you, Gary. What, what you're describing there is the, the investment on big programs, and I'd even say big systems without fully um, understanding the, 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 you know, having completed a point of work assessment is a huge bet. I mean, these things are usually expensive. They're hugely time consuming. Uh, it, they, they also cost a lot of credibility as well. Now, they may fit the bill in that they look and smell like what the stakeholder is expecting or even asked for. But in terms of actually delivering the result, a lot of the time they they are off the mark, which is probably why learning and development solutions in that regard are measured in the same way as we used to measure training before the rebrand to, to learning and development with attendance, completion and satisfaction uh, being uh, key indicators. But this shift from uh, from learning to performance is one it's one that we're we're hearing about more and more. Andy Lancaster, who I've had on the uh, the podcast, um, who is head of learning at CIPD here, uh, he's written a book called uh, Driving Performance Through Learning, and and I think that that is an indicator of of where we are that we have to shift our focus. But at this, on in the same regard, uh, towards maturity benchmark reports. Um, which are uh, self-assessments of learning and development professionals uh, pitching their what they see as the priorities against their their function and perhaps their own capabilities has supporting performance as one as the bottom three skills. So I was going to say that's prevalent in L and D, but I suppose it's it's of the other regard that's not prevalent in learning and development. Only twenty six percent of respondents said that 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 the ability to support performance was prevalent within their function. Now that's a problem, isn't it? That you've, that, that you've already identified that, that performance consultancy isn't uh, a common skill set yet. That said, it's been talked about and pushed as a priority for so many, I mean, you'd say decades now. What have we got to do, Gary, to shift this now from the, from the learning comfort zone in which we, we study uh, the different learning theories and almost break and challenge this equation that learning anything equals better performance. Right. Well, you've, you've just described the task of eating an elephant. <laughs> um, I'll give you a knife and fork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of plates. Um, <laughs> this, is a, this is a long standing paradigm. 
that mm. has to be overcome. I call it a training paradigm. If something's broken, train them. Yeah. Uh, if that training was not successful, we trained them on the wrong thing, the wrong thing, train them on something else. Uh, the whole point is, is it training that's going to resolve this solution? And that's the whole point of a point of work assessment is to identify what aspects are training related and what aspects are not. Because until you've done that, the tendency is to overtrain because you have to cover a lot of things that are either irrelevant or they're not going to impact the solution. And that's part of what the five moments of need does is it delineates between those things that are training, which is moments one and two, to those things that what I call point of work or downstream after training, uh, moments three, four, and five of apply, solve, and change. Those are the aspects that are close to the point of work, and the solution designs need to be compatible with the moment of need at the point of work and deliverable at the moment of need uh, at the point of work and, and in the workflow. That's sometimes different technology. Uh, mm. Digital, uh, what's the new acronym that I just saw that, uh, uh, who was it that put that out? DAS, Gartner Group. Put, put it out about digital uh, access solutions where mm -hmm. they're actually renaming performance support. Uh, right. The whole concept is get into my hands what I need associated with the task that I'm confronted with at this moment. Yeah. And that's not training. That's something that's designed specifically for consumption and application at the moment of need. And it needs to be done within the workflow. That's not training. If our yeah. mindset is how do we train people through these difficult things, we're going to continue to spin our wheels and spend a lot of time developing solutions that are only 15% effective because it's only 15% of the content that's relevant. Yeah. Let's, let's streamline the content to the point. And that's what the, uh, the five moments of need does is it breaks down the components of what's absolutely necessary in the workflow to execute effectively mm -hmm. and consistently and identifying what those things are is the whole point of assessment identifying what those things are because the knee-jerk reaction is train them mm -hmm. if you have a performance issue train them it might not have anything to do with performance which we found out in that study with the uh the medical equipment manufacturer he had broken workflow processes that yeah. was a six sigma solution it was not a training solution did training come out of the Six Sigma recommendation? Absolutely. Training's not ever going to go away. It's never going to be eliminated. It's going to be refocused. Yeah. And if I can refocus training to spend a fraction of the time doing their, uh, uh, in their all-inclusive training to focus on those things that are necessary to provide performance and consistent performance, then I will spend less time training and spend more time focusing on performance. When you start looking at it from that perspective, uh, there's considerable time saved by just focusing on what's broken with respect to performance and how do we fix that? Mm. Bob mentioned in his, uh, in the response that he provided the individual about uh, workflow, workflow learning that there's, when you start looking at responding to issues uh, that are performance related, what is the solution? Is it training? No, what it is, is a, uh, a solution that can be applied at the moment of need uh, 
uh, electronically or through a conversation with another individual uh, or a, a chat or some other type of methodology. It's not training. Uh, mm. Is it full-blown digital performance support technology? Uh, probably not initially because it starts small and it scales. You are going to pick what's the greatest pain point that we're dealing with and how can I resolve that? And what yeah. that turns into is proof of concept because you've got individuals within the organization who are asking the question, so why aren't you training on this? Well, I'm not training. I'm solving performance problems with this solution. And mm. you can't really get a lot of wind in those sails until you have knocked one down uh, or knocked one out of the park. The mm. idea there is let's start small and scale. And that's what the uh, five moments of need is designed to do. You're not going to create a training program or a performance support program to resolve marketing's issues, as an example. There are mm. certain components of marketing that are low-hanging fruit that can turn into a performance solution in a fraction of the time that it would take to develop e-learning or a classroom training event. Yeah, but, but also address it where the friction is being uh, experienced at a time when it's important to, to address that and by which the timetable is decided by the, the actors, the people that you're seeking to influence, and not um, when, when it's free to attend a program or when that, that said e-learning has, uh, has been created. But I mean, this takes me to, uh, to my next point, and I'm conscious of the time, would love look towards uh, uh, wrapping this up soon, Gary, um, is with point of work, it seems as, and you mentioned earlier that it's important to get um, top level agreement to, to engage in this. And as I mentioned, it, it may seem like like a whale of a project, but how, how could somebody get started with this? And are there any types of initiatives that would suit this if somebody wants to dip their toe? So, so it's kind of a question of, look, I like, I like what, I, I love what you're saying, Gary, but how do I do it in my organization? Uh, I'll use the uh, medical equipment manufacturer as an example. Uh, mm -hmm. I did the assessment and the outcome from the assessment does not dive right into a design solution. It goes back to the top. And I went to the, the, the senior VP of sales and marketing and I said, here's what I found. And I put that pie chart in front of him that had the six different categories of which the learning and development piece was only a small sliver and the uh, process and, and workflow and process piece was 42% of his issues and put mm. that in front of him. And I said, here's your biggest problem and we can help with that. But when you take a look at this, what do you want to prioritize? I'm, I'm your director of sales training, sales and marketing training, and I can go into your existing curriculum and make some recommendations based upon what I've heard. But I think you've got bigger fish, fish to fry. And the question is, how do we prioritize that? So the point of work assessment is a prioritization uh, exercise with the leadership who's made the initial request. Their initial request is probably not for a point of work assessment. Mm. Their initial request is I need training for marketing because we need to really bring up our skills so we can be world-class. And that's when you nod your head and say, yes, I can help you with that, but I need to ask some questions first. 
And that's when you go into your point of work assessment, working downstream through the organization all the way down to the individual contributor to find out what's keeping them from being world class. Mm -hmm. And it's not training, not, not training no. alone. But the individual at the top who's made the request, which is the driving force behind the activity, they, their mindset needs to be readjusted to look at this from a perspective of we have a, a dynamic point of work here where training is definitely a part of this, and I can impact some of your skills and, and, and capabilities within the organization by modifying training, but you've got bigger problems. Here's mm -hmm. what I found. No senior manager or leader in their right mind is going to say, forget that, do the training. Yeah. And it's like, that's the biggest mindset shift in a point of work assessment is take it back upstream and validate what is the priority. And the priority turned out to be a Six Sigma intervention to work on workflows and processes. And it wasn't redoing the curriculum. We weren't ready to redo curriculum because we weren't there yet. We didn't have any adjustments to workflows and processes that might have an impact in curriculum. So it was like all, all told time on that assessment was probably three days of conversations with individuals. The rest of the time, I had a week to pull this together to bring it yeah. back to uh, the stakeholder. I said, yeah, I can do that, but let me ask a few questions of some of your individuals in the organization, and I'll come back with a recommendation. I came back with a recommendation that was one page, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper with a pie chart that showed the distribution of where his challenges were across the spectrum of the point of work uh, categories that are covered. And it mm. blew him away. And it changed the whole dynamic between his original request and what the solution turned out to be. It took six months to implement because yeah. we had to do a lot of things. Point of work assessment's not going to produce an output of a new course or a, a new learning solution. That's downstream from it. The point of work assessment is a quick and dirty, here's what's wrong, how do we prioritize with that, and let's break this down into component parts. And that's where we go deeper because from that, we learned that there needed to be what the five moments of need assessment would do. This is not a five moments of need assessment. This is a flag to say you need to do a five moments of need assessment. And yeah. that's the specialty within Bob and Khan's program is to do those kinds of assessments. The point of work assessment identifies where do you start with that? And what are those things that you don't need to be concerned about because they have nothing to do with uh, what you're going to accomplish with your moment of need activities that you do with your discovery around the, the five moments of need. Wonderful. Gary, I think that's a great point uh, in which to, to wrap up. But as a final question, if people want to learn more about your approach to point of work and connect with you, how can they do so? Uh, I think uh, LinkedIn, my profile is there. And, uh, mm -hmm. and there is, is also a website called Living in Learning. Uh, that is my website. My company's name is Human Performance Outfitters, but Human Performance Outfitters drives living and learning. So mm -hmm. it's sort of a byline associated with that website. But that talks exclusively about the point of work, point of work assessment, a, uh, a driver model, which is an acronym, and basically the, the component parts of what a point of work assessment uh, entails. So that's probably the best way to get a, a quick backdrop and you can contact me there and I'd be happy to chat with anybody who has an interest or 
can answer all the questions that I've generated with not enough answers. Perfect. And we'll put some links in the show notes as well. Great. Gary, it's been a pleasure to have, uh, have you on the podcast. Thank you very much for being a guest. I appreciate the opportunity. Take care. Gary warned me that we're likely to go deep in that conversation and I'm delighted we had the opportunity to because the ways in which L&D is changing today means we need to be having different conversations and perhaps more challenging conversations. If you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning, connect on LinkedIn or Facebook, for which you'll find the links in the show notes. Goodbye for now. <laughs>